It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with your host, Mark Schlereth. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Bet Rivers Sportsbook and Dude Wipes. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in. Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Mark Schlereth alongside my uh, co-host, Mike Evans, Millennial Ben, producing the show. want to shout out uh, our great presenting sponsors, Bet Rivers. Um, I tell you what, they've done such a great job over there. Bet with Bet Rivers. They know betting. We're supposed to know football. We'll see exactly how that works out. But uh, bet with Bet Rivers. Uh, BetRivers.com as well. Check those guys out. Also, the great guys over at Dude Wipes. Um, DudeWipes.com. Check them out. They're great. Oh, I, I don't go anywhere without my Dude Wipes. So, And by the way, you can also get my green chili at uh, StinkingGood.com. Speaking of Dude Wipes, uh, load up on green chili. Uh, use it for your tailgates and then make sure your butt's clean uh, with the Dude Wipes. Uh, you know what? Eat some green chili. Make a bet with Bet Rivers. Wipe your butt with Dude Wipes. Bam! Done. Life oh, is good. good. Is that life's good? Life is life is life good. Is at that perfect point. that way. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. You know, I I love. You know, deep down, as football fans, okay, uh-huh. you got your team you root for, but when you've seen a a team that's been down for a long time, do you take a little bit of enjoyment out of watching them kind of come out of it? And by that, I mean the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mike. You talk about a signature win, they got one. Oh, and, and you look at the their history against the Baltimore Ravens, at least the last five years or so, and it's been just epic, like, biblical beatdowns. Like, when I was playing, there was always that. Because when you go to Cincinnati to play a game in Cincinnati, you get the game day program, you know, and you check out the game day program. They'd have seven first-rounders on their defense. Because they were always picking, you know, high in the first round. And there there was never an issue with talent. They always had a ton of talent. They just were never any good. It's like there was like, you know, there's three certainties in life. Death, taxes, and you'd whip the Cincinnati Bengals' ass, right? That was – that was, but not anymore, man. They have – and, you know, Bengal fan is all over me because I was like, why, like, why Jamar Chase? You, your quarterback almost lost his life in a game. I mean, he's got his leg ripped off. Why not protect the guy? Why not build your line of scrimmage? Well, hey, listen, I'll be the first to admit, you know, I, I say I, it, say it. Well, f- say it. What you want me to say? I was wrong. Say the word. I, I was wrong. Say it. I, you know, they picked Jamar Chase. I didn't like the pick, and I was. Will you at least say? Can you at least say I wasn't right? I wasn't. Oh man! And now, now, hey, listen. <laughs> all right. In, in all, Message sent, right. everybody. In, Mark's in, admitting he was right. wrong. In all seriousness, um, like I look at, I look at building a football team, controlling the line of scrimmage, doing all those things, and I think that's the most important th- part of any football team. I will tell you, when it comes to the Bengals, they're doing that. So. I'll admit I hadn't done a Bengal game. I haven't. I haven't really. I haven't covered the Bengals. Um, I'll give them. I'll give them a ton of credit. They know their team obviously better than I. That's important. And they thought that they had it solved. And boy, I tell you what, Joe Burrow has got swagger. I mean swagger. And they've got a great receiving core. 
Uh, they're they're just a really good football team, man. Well, now the tough part because it's it's one thing to kind of come from complete obscurity and nobody's paying attention to you, and you sort of burst out there, right? right. Now, maybe that bullseye gets a little bit bigger on your back, and now the expectations change. Can you live up to those expectations? We'll see if they can do that. And wouldn't you put the Raiders in that same category? I mean, the Raiders are looking really good. Right. First place Raiders, five first, and two. First place Raiders, um, and and they've done it. They've done it as well. You know, I was a little concerned when they kind of revamped their whole offensive line. They got rid of a bunch of veteran players, and you're like, uh oh, what's going to happen? They're playing great. They're running the football. They're controlling the tempo of the game. Derek Carr is certainly an MVP candidate, right? Um, defensively, they've revamped their they've revamped their defense, but man, they're playing they're playing really inspired football, in spite of all the stuff that went down with John Gruden, um, you know, and all the they had every reason to collapse, every reason to kind of roll over. It started with that Broncos game here, and and it's one of the most embarrassing performances that I have watched. There there were like you're you're looking at your main division rival, Mike. The Raiders and the Broncos. One team played like the division rival mattered. The other team played like they had reservations that they didn't want to miss. Dinner reservations. And I was embarrassed. They just got, they, from a competition standpoint, one team was competing at a different level than the other team. And the Raiders, even though it was a 34, I think it was 34 24, the end. It wasn't that close. It, you know, they gave, the Raiders gave up a couple tur- courtesy touchdowns at the end, but it, it was not that close, and it was an embarrassing performance, um, followed by another Thursday night embarrassing performance to me where the Cleveland Browns come out with, you know, their JV team, their JV squad, Thunder punch you right in the nose. For the Broncos, man, I like we started this conversation with the Raiders, and I'm with you 100%. The Raiders are doing great things, and Derek Carr's playing great football, and you know, and they beat down the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday without Darren Waller, who's one of the best players in the league. Forget about best tight ends in the league, best players in the league. But I'm telling you what, the Broncos right now, the fact that nobody got fired after two back-to-back performances, this is how bad it is. In a day and age where you win the coin toss, you automatically defer because everybody wants to possess the ball at the end, try to score at the end of the first half, then get the ball coming out in the second half, try to score again, double up on the scores, keep you from effectively touching the ball for about 45 minutes, you know, at the end of the first half, the beginning of the second half, where in real time you haven't touched the ball for 45, 50 minutes, put your offense in a funk. That's what everybody tries to do. That's where they are. And and the, the Cleveland Browns, with their third string running back, a backup offensive tackle that Von Miller said he's going to kill before the game, a, a backup offensive tackle, backup players, Injured guys on the outside, uh, a, a a backup quarterback who failed as a starter in Denver. They go, no, we'd like to take the ball and we want to kick your ass. And they did it. They ran through the. I mean, they ran through the Broncos on that first drive like poop through a goose. Like the Broncos didn't realize that a game Thursday night. That's another. And you know, just another embarrassing aspect of what we saw. Well, I I think. For, for people who are like, oh, they, they didn't do anything and they're showing too much patience, I would argue they did make a significant step in that Vic Fangio's tone from the post game, in which it was all pointing the finger at the players, nothing wrong with our coaches and our coaching and our scheme. Mm. Just 12 hours later, he was like, we got to do a better job. 
coaching needs to be better. Clearly, they've been put on notice. I'll tell you another coach who might be put on notice here very soon, Matt Nagy. Because you know how it works in this league, Mark. You go out and lose to the Buccaneers 38-3. to They're not, they're not going to come down on Justin Fields. I mean, he's the future. He's the guy mm-hmm. that was brought in to be the, the savior. He's not going to be the one that's scapegoated. It's going to be Matt Nagy and that coaching staff. That was imbe- – I mean, I, I right. watched a lot of that, that first half while it was still a game. Wow. Complete mismatch. Justin Fields was helpless. The Bears were helpless. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the crazy thing about that. Here's the crazy thing about that, Mike. Um, you've got Herbert or Bear, whatever the kid's name is, playing running back right now. 18 rushes, 100 yards. You think now this is a Tampa team that has consistently been the last three or four years the number one team in football when it comes to defending the run. The number one team. They are running the ball. They're, I mean, they're running exceptionally well. And I keep hearing analysts, national analysts, talk about the Chicago Bears like, well, clearly they don't have Justin Fields in the right offense because look what he did at Ohio State when they were better than everybody they played. Talent-wise, it wasn't close. Now, all of a sudden, guess what? You're in a league where you're not better than everybody else talent-wise. And, I mean, even in shotgun, they're putting them in shotgun. They're all three-step shotgun drops. I mean, the ball is coming out. They can't protect with the ball coming out, and they're running it. Like, they're running exceptionally well. I really don't know what you want. Like, what would you – they they had the boot keep, go, boot keep game going, you know, eliminating half the field – Three-step drops, getting out of the quarterback's hands. They, I mean, I don't know what else you can do. You know, what offense would you like to put him in? The wishbone? Would you like to transition to what they've got in Baltimore? Is that what you want? Like, what do you want? I keep hearing people say, well, clearly he's not in the right offense. Well, what is the right offense? You tell me. Because. But you know how that is. That, that's when you draft sure. a quarterback that high, you have to believe that you got it right. Because the ramifications of getting it wrong are felt and felt for a long time. So right. you everything you said makes sense, but you understand that that's not going to help Matt Nagy. Well, I, yeah, but I would say someone's going to have to yeah, pay. I mean, Matt Nagy is you know they're they're gonna they're gonna point the finger at Matt Nagy. What about Ryan Pace, the guy who's put the players on the field, the guy who's in charge of putting the players on the field, the same guy that that drafted Mitchell Trubisky after 13 starts, moved up to draft Mitchell Trubisky. You know, like. Uh, again, like they can't block. Uh, like, Mike, I'm always like, hey, you give up five or six sacks or seven sacks, I'm going to call the p- play caller out, right? You give up five or six or seven sacks. I don't know what they gave up last week, um, but Justin Fields was under constant duress on three step drops, shotgun three step drops. Like, I don't care. You should, if you can't hold up, that's not a coaching thing. Like, if you're throwing a bunch of seven-step drops and you're not taking the pressure off your quarterback, you're not doing that. That's on you, right? And I say this all the time, man. I had a, a conversation with the uh, the general manager of the Carolina Panthers last weekend. And we just talked about protection in general. And I, and I was like, listen, you've got to, your coaches have to do a really good job of, if you're going to throw it 30 times, making that 12 legitimate throws. Meaning, 
I've got to take the pressure off my quarterback from a protection standpoint, more, mostly the pressure off my offensive line from a from a you know from a play calling standpoint. I've got to take I've got to take fifteen to twenty of those reps away, you know, sixteen. So I got to make it only really twelve to fifteen times that we really have to, you know, hold up in protection. And you know, these are the things you have to think about. I I can't tell you there's when you're when you're throwing the boot keep game when you're running the ball the way they're running you're getting your you're moving the the launch points of your quarterback you're you're running the play pass stuff and you're throwing a bunch of three step drops out of out of shotgun that's as good as you can do as a coach and you still can't hold up you still don't have you still don't have the wherewithal or the players up front to block that up that's that's not coach Nagy's fault that goes on Ryan Pace all right, this is the part of our show where we uh, pay homage to the amazing Tom Brady, mm-hmm. who yesterday threw four more touchdowns, including the 600th of his regular season career. Astounding. Mark, he is on pace right now. They're 6-1. and one. He is on pace right now for a season in which he would complete 67% of his passes for 5,200 yards 48 touchdowns and seven picks at the age of 44. I, 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 (laughs) I'm I'm kind of fighting for words here. I, how long can this guy do this? Seriously. I don't know how long is the contract that he uh, signed that he, uh, you know, the, the contract with the devil that he signed because, right. True. I, I shouldn't even joke about that. Um, it's, Dude, freak of nature. It, it's, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know. And he has said, you know, everybody, everybody just scoffed. Everybody was like, oh, here we go, Brady, you freak show, right? Drink water. I won't get sunburnt guy, right? And when he said at 40, oh, I could play till I was 50. And we, oh, my god. Oh, no, the 45. He said to 45. 45. And people are like, okay. Yeah. Figuring that at some point. He'll fall off yeah. the cliff at 41, 42, right. whatever, right? He said the other day, he goes, I won't play till I'm 55, but I don't see why I couldn't. 55? <laughs> yeah, he said, I think he said 55 the other day. <sighs> Dude, it, it is, it is. But you've said this before. We've talked about this before. Brady said it. Like, why would I quit now? I have all the answers to the test. They protect the quarterback. He protects himself with how quickly he gets the ball out of his hands. He knows the answers to the test. He understands what defenses are trying to do. And they've got a really good football team in Tampa. Dude, it's just, I mean, and at 44, he's cutting people up. Yeah. Just cutting them up. catch. And did you see yesterday, there's a kid in the stands. Man, I love this. Tom Brady has become... He went from evil empire, like he went from Darth Vader's right hand. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a Star Wars guy. Who's Darth Vader's right hand man? Who's a guy? I don't know. Some Sith Lord or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, some... yeah. He was like a Sith. Yeah. For Bill Belichick's Darth Vader, you know right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody liked him. Whatever. Everybody hated his guts. By the way, if we got that wrong, we'll hear from Star Wars. Fans. Right. But anyhow, now all of a sudden he is like. He's he's like gone to the he's gone to the he's not on the dark side anymore. He's on the light side. He's like the light side. What is what do they got? He's on the force. He's feeling side. the force. He's feeling the force. In a good way. Right. Yeah. yeah he has become you know he's become Obi Wan Kenobi. Right? Just yes. mentoring Mentored, kids. Yep. 
Good point. So after, after the game, there's this kid holding this sign up that says, hey, Tom Brady, you helped me beat brain cancer or whatever, you know. And Tom walks up to the kid, shakes his hand, gives him his hat. And you're like, oh, Tom Brady. Kid breaks down crying. Yeah, I mean. I'm crying. Well, everybody. Did I just admit that? Yeah. Yeah, everybody. It got dusty. I mean, but he has just become a very likable figure. He really has. He really has. And the Buccaneers, fresh off winning the Super Bowl, showing no hangover. Meanwhile, the team that got beat in the Super Bowl. Oh. A mess. Right. The Kansas City Chiefs, Mark, just got bludgeoned. Did not experience the sweet nectar of the end zone. No. In losing 27-3, to Patrick Mahomes has thrown nine interceptions. He's lost two fumbles. He's positively Winstonian this year. Yeah. He's gone full Jameis Winston. Yeah, full Jameis on him. He's gone full Jameis on us, uh, turning the ball over. And I, I what what's your theory as to what's gone not not only what's gone wrong with the Chiefs, but specifically what is wrong with Mahomes? Well, it's it's funny, you know, you go back to what happened last week, and I said this back in their run. One of the things that makes Kansas City special when they were going to the Super Bowl back-to-back years was they could lock you down with 5-0 protection, meaning they're five offensive linemen against any five rushers you bring. And they could hold up and get five guys. You've got five eligibles in that situation, right? The five offensive linemen and the quarterback are six, so there's 11 guys. Math says that there's only five guys that you can get out, right? That's that's how it's all a numbers game, Mike. That's how it works. So nobody got five guys out in the pattern more than the Kansas City Chiefs. And they're so dynamic with the guys they get with Tyree Kill and Hardman and Kelsey and then whoever the back was that was coming out of the backfield. They were they were just impossible to defend. And Mahomes could throw from different platforms. And when the O line didn't hold up, he's athletic enough to move the pocket, to get out, throw one left-handed, complete it, and you're just like, man, there's nothing we can do. Right now, they're not holding up. They're getting, like last week in all critical situations, not all critical situations, but a majority of critical situations, they were in third down, and Tennessee was playing two-man. So they are playing man across the board with two safeties over the top and getting to Mahomes on a consistent basis with four rushers. So they're disrupting the routes right off the bat, not letting guys get wide open right off the bat, having the two safeties over the top being able to double-team Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and say, well, hold up on the one-on-ones on the outside. And they were consistently getting to Mahomes. And I think it's getting to Mahomes that I got to – listen, one, the other teams are possessing the ball. They're scoring 30 points a game. Like, we're only getting eight possessions. Like a normal game is 12 to 14 possessions, or 12 to 13 possessions. We're only getting eight. And the way our defense is giving up points, it's a points of Palooza. If we get eight possessions, we better score at least six touchdowns, you know, or five touchdowns and, and, and a field goal if we're going to be competitive, if we're going to be able to compete. So you got the pressure of I got to hang – we're going to give up 30. We're going to give up 32. I got to hang 35 on everybody. That's a ton offensively, Even man. Even for a guy like Mahomes in this offense, that that's a lot of pressure. You got to think that 
you're going to crack under that kind of right. pressure, and, right? And you and you got to you got to hang 35 and eight and eight tries or seven tries, right? Because you go back the last eight games, and it all started with the Super Bowl. This is what they've given up: 31, 29, uh, 36, 30, 30, 38, 13 against Washington, and then 27 yesterday. So, yeah, you're talking about giving up over 30, 32 points per game. Even a great quarterback and a great offense is going to crack under feeling like we have to go right. out and score 35 or 38 to win every every week. And then, and then last week in, in Kansas City, I mean, they just were like, hey, Travis Henry, you are not going to beat us running the football. I think he got 29 carries, only had 86 yards or something like that. It was three yards a carry. But then every time you flag the ball out there if you're Tannehill, that intermediate stuff is wide open. The linebackers are at the line of scrimmage. The safeties are playing deep, so they didn't go beat, beat over the top because – you know, you've got Julio Jones, you've got A.J. Brown, you've got some receivers, right? I mean, that intermediate stuff, it was like, it's like stealing. It was such pitch and catch for the Kansas City Chiefs. They're in trouble. I mean, it is like somebody, it's like, you know, it's like, I don't know, what do you call a, a person that hunts unicorns? Is there such a, is there a term for a unicorn hunter? I don't know if there's a unicorn hunter. No. Well, people are always trying to find a Sasquatch, right? True. They're trying to find a Sasquatch or a Yeti, yeah, or the Loch Ness monster, leprechaun, pot at the leprechaun, end, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Right. Everybody's kind of stuff, trying right? to find that. I don't know what you call a a, a a unicorn hunter, but it's as though somebody was hanging in the tree, like in one of them tree stands, all camouflaged, waiting, you know, just waiting for Patrick Mahomes to prance by, and they leapt out of the tree, boom, landed on his back, and cut off the unicorn horn. And now he's just a guy. That's what it feels like. Well, while Kansas City's going one direction, you know who's rapidly becoming a team you may not want to play in the AFC is the Indianapolis Colts. They went into San Francisco, a a 49er team that you would think mm. with their ability to run the ball and willingness to run the ball would have been able to handle the the elements, the monsoon. But it was the Colts that played the down-and-dirty Blue-collar, yeah. tough, physical, tough-minded game. Mm -hmm. You know, the Colts are interesting to me because, Mike, I'm going to give a term to you. Coaching matters. It does. I'll go call and cowherd on you. Coaching matters. It does. It just does. So, I mean, here's Carson Wentz, who the Philadelphia Eagles basically pummeled over the last couple of seasons, right? They just got him hit. They got him crushed. His confidence, he was sacked. Uh, he missed four games. I think he still sacked 50 times last year in Philadelphia. They couldn't do anything right, Mike. Just nothing. And, like, he needed football rehab. So he goes back and reunites with Frank Reich, his former offensive coordinator with Philadelphia, you know, when they're pushing toward his potential MVP type of season, you know, and they're going and winning a Super Bowl, even though it was Foles who ended up playing in that Super Bowl. But he reunites with Frank Reich. He does a little football rehab, gets him on the RPO games, gets him back comfortable doing the things he does, puts a running game behind him. Taylor against San Francisco had 18 carries, 107 yards. And, you know, and Wentz is running some of that RPO, some of that zone read stuff. He's keeping the ball. He's got four carries for 23 yards. And, and like, they did. They've got a good defense. They can play. 
And Indianapolis, even though they started kind of slow, all of a sudden is starting to take off. Um, very much like Tennessee. They're, they're another one of those physical control line of scrimmage football teams that, you know, you'll think twice before facing those guys. And all of a sudden, Carson Wentz is starting to play like the Carson Wentz we remember, who was the third overall draft choice to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, however many years ago. The, the guy is playing some really good football right now. And you could see his confidence grow every year. But, boy, it just goes to show you, Mike, that you got to put guys in positions. Like really good coaches put their players in positions to win. Don't be surprised, Philadelphia, if you put your if you put your player in a position to fail. Don't be surprised when he fails. Don't go, huh? Ah, I didn't see that coming. No, you you're the idiot that put him there. So see him. It's and for me, it's fun to see a guy that actually you know goes through two years of adversity, like he went through in Philadelphia, come out the other side and get the opportunity to kind of right the ship, if you will. So good for him. Last last thought. Normally these Thursday night games are dogs, uh, but boy, we got a great one coming up this Thursday. Green Bay at Arizona, and I go back to what we were talking about at the start of this show about Cincinnati. That once you sort of burst on the scene, hello, you announce your your mm-hmm. presence, but then can you can you go out with that target on your back? I, I think we're going to learn a lot about Arizona, aren't we? Uh I think we've learned a lot about you think Arizona. So? I re- I really They're, do. They've already passed the legit. They they built yeah. to built to last. They've, test they've, for you. They passed the smell test. Um, and I am one of the biggest. I am one of the biggest critics. You know, I'm one of the guys. Okay, we'll see. Let's let's just wait and see. Mike, I I will tell you that watching them and breaking them down over the last couple of weeks, they do a great job with personnel. And they mix and match consistently. You, know, you think of them as a spread team, and most spread teams just getting three wides, 11 personnel, or four wides, 10 personnel, say we're good. Man, they mix in the tight ends. They mix in the running backs. They, they go back and forth. They run the, they run the ball well. They've, got, they've actually developed a good running game. Um, they actually have great balance in their offense of what they're trying to do. And – they they get in and out of in and out of concepts, you know. Like I said, heavier concepts. They still throw it out of heavier concepts. They spread you. They still run out of spread. So they get you with their personnel groupings and with their concepts and keep you off balance. And then ultimately, when you do something exceptionally well defensively, and you've got them, you know, you've got them trapped. Little number one just scrambles around and makes something ridiculous happen. It's demoralizing as a defense to be on point, to get everything done, and then that son of a gun just whips you. Just whips you. So it's one of those things, man, I just am like, ugh. They're they're a tough football team, and they've got a ton of talent on the defensive side. Like Steve Kime, their general manager, there's a guy. This is is a – it'll be a case study for me. Here's a guy – Hired a head coach, drafted a quarterback nine overall, and played that system for one year and said, screw it, these guys suck. And I'm going in a different direction. And you know what you know what was 
the catalytic event that made him make that change was Kyler Murray. And I had, I mean, I'm buddies with Steve, so I had this conversation with Steve. And he told me, he goes, Stink, man, I did not want to like Kyler Murray. He goes, I wanted to, I wanted to hate him. But it's my job as a general manager to do the evaluation. So he goes, I studied him. And I'm like, son of a gun. This kid is so dynamic and he's so good and he's got such an understanding of what they're trying to accomplish. And he goes, the more I studied, the more I saw arm talent, athletic talent, just, I mean, ability not only to play within the confines of the system, but an ability to play above the X's and O's. So he goes, then I went and saw him in person. And he's like, he's just ripping the freaking football, ripping it. And he goes, at that point, I said, screw it. I got to make a change, and it may cost me my job. But that's a chance I'm willing to take. So he says, that's it. I'm doing it. I'm taking him number one overall. Hey, uh, Josh Rosen, I know we picked you nine overall or ten overall, and you said, the nine teams that didn't pick me, I'm going to make them pay. Yeah, good. How's that going, right? Well, it'd be – it's one of the arguments about drafting, maybe overdrafting these quarterbacks, is that because of the rookie wage scale, you don't have to stick with them that long. Right. You can admit your mistake. Problem is, right now, Arizona still remains that outlier. Yeah. Otherwise, you're still seeing teams that are but, sort but, of trying to make it work right. with guys that I think we've all sort of looked at and go, nah, doesn't look like he's the answer. Here's the Yeah, but here's the case study point. He not only fired the quarterback and drafted another yeah. guy in the first round, he went and got a coach to fit the skill set. Yeah. He said, there's not a lot of people that we're going to give Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury couldn't win at Texas A&M. Was it A&M? No, it was Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Me. Texas Tech. He couldn't win there. You know, and he had Patrick Mahomes and was 500 there. And so, you know, he, he just said, if I'm going to give this kid the best chance of success, I need the system that he, that he has played in, that he, it, that he understands, that, that best fits his skill set. And that's just smart, man. So I will give Steve Kime all kinds of kudos. He's the did he's the personnel person of the year or the general manager, whatever whatever that award is. I don't even know. I don't care. See if anybody else Front in, office around the guy. league, you know, executive of the year. Exact that's the word yeah, I was I looking for. That's what I'm here for. Yes, that's the executive of the year. Yes. All right, guys. Hey man, thanks for listening to uh, to the Stinking Truth podcast. We uh we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much to our presenting sponsors. The great folks over at Bet Rivers. Hey, uh, bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers. Also, Dude Wipes at DudeWipes.com. Check those guys out as well. And StinkingGood.com. Load up with some green chili and queso for your next uh, tailgate. Make sure you check them out. For everybody involved in the Stinking Truth Cop podcast, thank you so much. We'll be back with you later on in the week.